every day on the big show. What? Gordon and what? Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on the Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Oh, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Yeah, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for What's Going On, brought to you today by our friends at Syringa. Syringa Network's home to complete business telecom and IT solutions backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for 21st Century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Gordon, uh, of course, what's going on? We check in with the other shows on the Zone Sports Network, get the big news, opinions, sometimes some fun stuff. Let's start today with DJ and PK. Here's their thoughts on the Nuggets and the Clips. Question of the morning, where does the Clippers choke job rank with some of the worst chokes? BK, people weren't really into the historical stuff. It was more about Jazz fans feeling the pain and the agony of knowing just two weeks ago it was the Jazz who could have beaten the Nuggets. It was the Jazz who could have been beating the Clippers. It's the Jazz who could be in the conference finals right now. That was the overwhelming message on our Facebook page. Well, we don't know what would happen if the Jazz had won that series against the Clippers. I can't tell you that they would have beaten the Clippers. Uh, the Nuggets doing what they do. I mean, I've been saying all along that I think they're a really good team. Jokic is a top five player. Clearly, he's the best player at his position. Whatever his position might be, when you're having 13 assists, I'm not sure I can just label you strictly a center by any stretch. I mean, he, you know, the point center is a phrase I don't think we've ever used, but he's an incredible player. He can do so many different things. His shot. When he's open on that little uh, shot uh, on either side along the baseline, expected to go in every time. Even though he, you know, we uh, everybody makes fun about slow mo Joe. Well, man, he looks like he's Speedy Gonzalez compared to Jokic. Uh, but uh, Jokic gets the job done. Uh, the Jazz uh, could they have played in uh, the the Nuggets? I think, or excuse me, the Clippers. I think they may have been able to take a game or two. But I mean, Gary Harris was ready to go much more in the second round than he was in the first round, and he was a vital player. He wasn't the most crucial, but he was a vital player, and he contributed almost nothing in the first round because he wasn't there. So I don't think that you can just extrapolate and say, oh, they would have won two. Obviously, uh, even if they would have lost, you would have won them to play, and they blew it in their own right. You know, they are up 3-1 and obviously couldn't get the job done. Cody says the Jazz could have beat that weak Clippers team. Darren, if we made that last shot, that would have been us beating the Clippers. Dang it. And a lot of that falls onto people not buying into Paul George as a playoff performer. Uh, there were Right, and there were several. So I think they just figured that whoever it was that was pretty good could have knocked him out. Tony, I find it funny that Paul George gave himself a playoff nickname. My question, when has he ever been great in the playoffs? Obviously, people remember the Oklahoma City Series with the Jazz a couple years ago. Um, yeah, I think he gave that to him when he was in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And he had some better uh, opportunities there. But I also think this falls on Kawhi Leonard because uh, Kawhi Leonard, sure, you beat a watered-down Golden State team last year, and good for you. You did it. 
and you hit a memorable shot against the Sixers, and good for you. But your other title, I'm not sure you were the the leader of that team in San Antonio. So in in the biggest game of the the season, you couldn't come through. Not even close. It It was a major disappointment. a, A little bit. Right now, I would take Jimmy Butler over Kawhi Leonard. And I don't care how many titles Kawhi Leonard has won. I mean, it's not like he's the most dominant guy when they were winning them. Not on that San Antonio team. They had a lot of good players then. If anything, that was kind of the, the passing of the torch in the generations. You know, the older guys weren't quite done. They could still bring it, and he was on the way up. But that was yeah. uh, that was just kept, – I kept waiting. I, I guess by the time the fourth quarter was happening, I was like it was pretty clear early in the fourth quarter when the Nuggets went on a run with the Joker on the bench and the league went to 15 that the Clippers weren't coming back. But the, even in the third quarter, you're like, well, quiet, it's, it's time to – Take charge and take over the game. I mean, it's not just uh, it's not just Paul George. You know, Lou, Lou Williams isn't doing anything either. It really has to be you. And he he never really got on a roll at all. Well, what he was, he was quiet. But a bing, <laughs> give him a rim shot, Yak. Let's go. <laughs> all right, there you go from DJ and PK talking about the Clippers. Um, and the Nuggets, and and mixed a little of the of the Jazz take in there too. Hey, Kawhi did not play well last night, um, and I think uh, the the leadership thing you hit on earlier in the show, Gordon, I think you might be onto something there. Where maybe he's, you know, not a great leader, and maybe that's part of the problem. But really, I think Paul George is a bigger issue for the Clippers. That's where I would be uh, uh, really evaluating whether or not it was a good fit. But the problem is, Austin and I looked in. Uh, we we looked back on that trade in the off season. You know, they gave up uh, – brace yourself, Gordon. They gave up Shea Gilgis-Alexander. They gave uh-huh. up Danilo Gallinari and five, five first-round draft picks. Five. Yeah, yeah that's Oh, a lot. man. Oh, for a guy who yeah. just disappeared in the playoffs yeah. and has for a while now on three different teams? Yeah, I – yeah, that's that's not good news for the Clippers moving forward. And uh, Steve Ballmer is a very wealthy man, but uh, his money isn't going to win him uh, a title unless he gets the right players in place. And now, without the draft picks, I I just don't know how that's going to go. But let me slightly disagree with my with my good friend Patrick Kinahan. I I am not taking Jimmy Butler over Kawhi Leonard. I'm not either, although Jimmy Butler is playing great right now. I'd take Jimmy Butler over Paul George in a heartbeat. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think I would agree with that one. But Kawhi, he he did not play great. But what he did last year was, I mean, it was fairly phenomenal. (laughs) It wasn't even fairly. It was phenomenal. Uh, I don't really like so much his demeanor. I li- I don't mind. It's not so much the quietude around him. I I just I don't like the, you know the the load management and all that sort of thing. It just sets a kind of a weird tone for your team. Well, it it does, and I I don't think he is a very good teammate. Go back to his his time in San Antonio. Now now maybe this isn't fair because his teammates in Toronto seem to really like him. But that whole quad mess in San Antonio, there was a lot of really yeah. bad, unique stuff that you just don't see from teams. Like you don't, um, Gordon. We uh, we covered Carlos Boozer's run in Utah, and there was some controversial injury moments with Booz, right? But right. did you ever, ever, ever once hear anybody from the staff? 
or any of his teammates say anything but we just hope Booze gets back as soon as he can? Uh, not that I can recall. Because it never happens. It didn't happen. Players don't do that because they know that the next injury that they're going through, they don't want to be pressured in that way either. Tony Parker said, I'm coming back from a more severe injury and I'm playing. I mean, talk yeah. about calling out a teammate. And and Popovich and, said and, some things like that too. I mean, that that's not hmm, that's not a good sign that, that he was well liked. And it's not like those guys don't have some credibility. You know, I mean Hall of Famers. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't I don't yeah. think Kawhi is is I don't think he's probably a real great teammate. The load load management stuff doesn't set a good tone because it it places you above your team. Yeah, I don't like that at all. I didn't like it the first time I heard about it. And I, I don't know what the deal is with the quad. Is it still bothering him? Does he still have to baby that? Uh, and, and if that's true, then then you might have uh, an even bigger issue there. But uh, anyway, I, I think Kawhi's a heck of a player. He is really, really good. But, but the attitudinal stuff, uh, that stuff has to go. I agree with you completely. And the Clippers, the, with the way they collapsed in, in, in multiple second halves to, to lose that series, I always people use the word choke. I don't think that was a choke job. I think that was more just a lack of energy and enthusiasm. And uh, at the biggest uh, moments, that's called a choke at the job. Biggest, well, no, because choke usually implies that uh, that you you couldn't perform because you got too nervous. Uh, I don't think that's what it was. I don't know if I, I'd I don't consider... think it was nerves. I think they just played like crap. Is is does it have to be nerves? I I always thought choking uh, uh, came me it meant coming up short during the biggest moment or no, in this case I, having I, a, a huge lead and uh and giving it up no, i disagree I, I think it does have to do with nerves I, I, the other one is just blowing it you know I, well you know you say I, tomato I, I, I say tomato we're, well we're maybe i mean well, we, we define here we define that differently but uh in the sports psychologists that i've talked to through the years they seem to have made that distinction with me, and so that's why I fall into that. What do they know? That line line of thinking. So, uh, but <laughs> it's kind of like th- when uh, when um, uh, our friend from uh, uh, Dave Strong is that who came on with us told us it was pronounced Porsche. I think he's wrong too. It wasn't Dave. Who was, it was it? Uh, anyway, somebody who would know because they own the dealership, but right. I don't think they do know. Just like your psychologist, I don't think they know either. Yeah, what do they know? That's what uh, I'm saying. They, exactly. They know nothing. Exactly. So, but the, yeah, I mean, Kawhi sets a weird tone for his team, and then when he didn't get the support from Paul George, uh, that is is necessary. Um, although I always liked Paul George because I, I he's yeah, got two Beatles names in his name. But well, that's the dumbest reason to like a player I've ever heard. Probably, I know. I'm just trying. <laughs> I don't to know. I know you, you. That's something I would usually do. See, I don't like anyone that has two first names as their name. Hey, oh. hey, oh, hey, uh. hey. 
Um, he insulted you and and David James. Let's let's move on to our clip from yes. Hanson Scotty, and uh, they're talking about college football. But uh, before we get to that, let's get to some breaking news from John Wilner, or at least I don't know if this qualifies as breaking news. But here's what he's saying: Sources, after speaking to Pac-12 Commission uh, Larry Scott, Newsom's office reached out to USC officials. Plan is to fast track revision to controversial 12-person cohort max. That shifts focus to local health, an easier hurdle for the schools. This is big, adds Wilner. So All right. maybe it's just uh, the, the bureaucracy in California is a little more complicated and they're just unraveling it, I guess. Have you been to California? Complicated is, uh, isn't the, uh, the half of it. You know, I've been to California, but I've never lived there, so I've never technically been ruled by California. So I don't, I'm not that familiar with their bureaucracy. It can get but. fairly complex at times. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So that's that's uh, that's good news for the Pac-12. Here is Hanson Scotty talking about uh, the Big Ten announcement today. So, Scotty, I'm just going to give you a couple of the details of what we know now of the Big Ten and what their plans are to return to play. Um, the league is expected to play an eight-game schedule culminating with the Big Ten Championship on December 19th. This would allow the Big Ten to be eligible for the college football playoff, which we strongly believe that that would be the case. Yep. Uh, and with that, uh, with that final game on December 19th, it sneaks in just before the final rankings of December 20th. So, you know, everything that they've done with this October 24th planning was to try to sneak in under the deadline. Earlier reports suggested that even if the league presidents voted to play, some Big Ten schools might opt out and not play. However, all reports are saying that 14 schools plan to play this fall. So it looks like all 14 of the Big Ten are going to participate. Um, you go to you go to a couple of, of you know sources and causes that got these presidents of these 14 schools to come together and make a decision. And it really comes down to a few things. Number one, this new medical evidence and developments regarding the COVID-19 um, quick turnaround, it, it, it is now identified by most as the, the, the number one reason the Big Ten decided to move forward. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you can throw in the fact that there's all kinds of revenue and they feel like they can get into the college football playoffs and they, they, they've got all these other things. But the other thing that I was listening to uh, an insider kind of identify was the fact that this is a league that had six teams that were preseason ranked in the top 25. You had Ohio State that was ranked number two, Penn State number seven. You had Wisconsin number 12. You had Michigan, number 16, Minnesota, number 19, and Iowa, number 24. This conference alone had six teams ranked in the top 25, and they are watching the potential season soar by them without being a part of a college football playoff. So they've got great teams. Now they've got a quick COVID-19 testing turnaround. They've got backing by most government officials they've got everything that they needed and they were able to really push this along and and scotty they're going to get basically they're allowing teams to get on the field as soon as they can yeah which they're going to need to uh 
It's ambitious. It's uh, it's aggressive what they're doing, but they understand that uh, these kids want to play. They want to get back out there on the uh, field. And here's the thing: never underestimate what the power of being a very very vocal um, uh, opposition to something how how much that can help. You know these these players that were protesting, these players that were going to uh, that were letting their voice be heard. Uh, these parents that were threatening lawsuits, parents that were sending letters to conference commissioners and school presidents, all those things weighed. And then the fact that nobody else shut down either. The fact that the SEC and the ACC and some teams in the Sun Belt Conference and all these, here's the Big Ten, right up there with the SEC as one of the most visible, financially lucrative conferences in the country, is sitting at home and they're watching teams in the Sun Belt beat teams in the Big 12, and they're thinking, what are we doing? What are we doing? We thought we were going to be the leader on this and everybody was going to shut down. Nobody besides the Pac-12 shut down. We look really stupid right now. Really stupid. A lot, lot of egg on the face. And they fixed it. All right, there was Hanson Scotty from today talking about the Big Ten decision. And uh, we even talked to Dennis Dodd about this, Gordon, but it it has been a, a rocky, strange road for the Big Ten. And they did not handle this situation, in my opinion, anyway, per, particularly well. Uh, but uh, them deciding that they want to play in time for the college football playoff does put the Pac-12 in an awkward spot because I'm not so sure the Pac-12 can get going in time to come in in, to get enough games in in time to qualify for the playoff, I don't think I'm not sure that can happen. Yeah, I don't know. I disagree with Scotty and Hans. I I don't think uh, from that standpoint that they were fumbling and bumbling around. I think they did the right thing. The SEC was going to play come what hell or high water. They were going to play, and the Big Ten waited until they could get daily testing before they decided that it was safe enough to do. I have no problem with that. That's the whole reason that I agree with it. So Hans and Scotty were sitting there making fun of the Big Ten, saying they were stumbling and bumbling around, and they wanted to make sure that it could be done in the right way. So why 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 ridicule them or make fun make fun of them for that? Why didn't they Why didn't they wait? instead of just closing it down. And by the way, their commissioner has said, we will not be readdressing this issue. Well, there were, uh, okay. Very foolish. Okay. If that's what Scotty enhanced meant, but then, then I get that there was some discrepancy there, but I have no problem with them waiting. I have no problem with the way this is working out. In fact, I think it's better because the, the SEC wasn't going to test every day. What is they the were gonna, hell, they, they wanted to play football. And I disagree with that. I disagree with that positioning. I think you have to make it as safe as possible before you can do it. And that's what the Big Ten's doing. If they stumbled and bumbled with it a little bit, okay, I get the criticism there. But that's the difference maker for me. Like I told you, I changed my mind this morning because I really sat down and thought about it. And I said, wait a second, if they're testing these players every single day before they take the field, then and nobody is tested positive that's on the field, then why can't they be on the field? And that's, that's a new revelation to me. But the SEC didn't have that technology. They didn't think they had that possibility when they were charging full speed ahead, no matter what. Well, you don't know that. Well, I, well. 
Uh, okay, then if they had it before everybody else, then the Southeast is uh, technically ahead of the Big Ten. Well, maybe they would. They knew it was coming. I mean, the NBA uh-huh. has been using it throughout their bubble, even before. Yeah, I, I yeah I know, but I it may not have been readily available to the college game. Well, I mean that that's your standard, and that's fine, Gordon. And and uh, you know, I'm glad that Big Ten and Pac-12 met your standard. The SEC had a different standard. I, if yeah, but, but that, that, well, yeah, right. We all have different ideas, and that's how we form our opinions. Yeah, and yeah. and that's the one for me. I, I would still be really, really sort of more anti than than for it if they didn't have this quick, uh, rapid uh, results kind of technology. Uh, that That's absolutely imperative to play football, in my opinion. Here it is. Okay. So I'm not going to ridicule the Big Ten for waiting for that uh, before they press on. I'm not going to ridicule anyone. I'm, fa- no. I'm, I'm happy they figured it out. I'm happy the SEC figured it out to their satisfaction. The Big 12 as well. Happy the oh, I was just responding to what Hanson Scotty said. Right, fair enough. I'm responding to what you said. All right. I'm I'm happy. That's good. Great. We're going to see Pac-12 football. Hopefully, knock on wood. We're going to see one Big thing Ten about, football. It's great. One thing about the Big Ten: if they're lining up nine games in nine weeks, I just don't, <laughs> I don't know how that's going to go. Uh, I, I don't know whether they're going to be able to pull that off. I think they will. Daily well, testing, it, they should be able to. If the testing is, is ironclad, then okay. We'll see. All right, uh, let's jump out to the zone phone. Joining us now is our friend Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic, uh, here to help guys uh, in the bedroom. Right, Andrew? Yes, we're helping a lot of guys in the bedroom with a very niche problem. That is erectile dysfunction, which is so common out there. Uh, I think that as a man ages, it's more common than we think. And the majority of erectile dysfunction goes untreated because it is so tied to our sense of self-worth. And we'd almost rather continue to struggle than get the problem fixed. Now, Wasatch Medical Clinic uses a different form of treatment. It's called acoustic wave therapy. It is a blood circulation improver. It causes something called neovascularization, which is the regrowth of blood vessels by delivering pressure waves into the blood vessels. That causes blood flow to go where you want it, when you want it. And we can finally put a stop to erectile dysfunction without the use of pills, injections, or surgery. So if you're putting up with those side effects, stop it. You don't have to do that anymore. You do not have to do it anymore. That is an antiquated approach to ED. Since the early 90s, guys have been taking the pill. It's a Band-Aid. It's a symptom reliever at best, and the headaches and the blurred vision and the lack of spontaneity, they, it just doesn't work. Uh, as far as I know, our treatments are the only thing that address the root cause problem of ED. 801-901-8000 is the number to call, 801-901-8000, and they'll get to come in. Uh, you're doing a lot for free, Andrew, but they'll come in and consult with a doctor and find out if it's a good fit, right? Yes, this is a no obligation, no sales pitch. Uh, come in. We will do the assessment for free, the exam for free. We'll test your blood flow, which you probably have never done, and I think every guy should do. Test your blood flow for damaged blood vessels. Uh, we'll also throw in a little special gift that produces instant results in the bedroom. I don't know that I've ever seen it fail. Very, very good. That's all free. 
And uh, call us now. New patients get free testosterone. This is kind of new for us uh, to help with the drive and the energy. So we've got all angles of erectile dysfunction covered now. 801-901-8000 is the number to call. 801-901-8000, Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys. All right. uh, We're going to talk to uh, BT coming up next from Real Golf Radio. It's U.S. Open Week, which just feels crazy this time of year. We'll talk to uh, BT about it coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Jay Drew joining us, BYU football writer for the Deseret News. Do you have the feeling that most BYU guys are trying to follow the rules so they at least have a pretty good chance of playing, recognizing that anything can go wrong even if you're following the rules and they may have to postpone a game? Yeah, I do. Around June or July, sources have told me there was an outbreak. They did have several guys test positive. At that time, there was some pretty stern shots fired across the bow from BYU administration to these players. There's 120 three guys on that roster. You're talking about a ton of people, but I get the idea from the most part that the last couple of months they've done their best to follow the guidelines and protocols. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Out to The Zone phone we go. Joining us now Ryan from The Dish Professionals. Ryan, sports are coming back. College football's coming back. It might be a little weird, a little different, but it looks like we're getting some games, and uh, people need to check out Dish from the Dish Professionals because if you don't have it, you're not doing it the right way. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm excited. This is great the news, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, the Pac-12 will follow suit. We'll see what happens, but you know, I got some extra good news today on the promotion. Just got a little bit better, and um, I know we're at the very, very end of this doorbell promotion, so. This is a, uh, a, a good time to call, but added to the doorbell promotion and the two-year offer with a two-year price guarantee where you get the movie channels for free, you get even some pay-per-view movies are available. You also get the uh, sports pack. Now, the sports pack isn't just one couple channels. It's the whole regional sports pack and the NFL and network. NFL Red Zone is included in that. So uh, this really is a awesome promotion. It's uh, It's worth a ton of money. I know there's a lot of people out there, a lot of cord cutters, and they're calling us because, you know, they're like, they try to get just, just the NFL red zone pack. They try to get some YouTube TV and they try to get all these things. And by the next thing they know, they're spending a hundred dollars a month. Guys, our packages are like sort of like 50 bucks a month. I mean, you can get set up and uh, get amazing service, get upgraded, get the DVR, get the hopper, the most powerful DVR in the world. Biggest DVR, the fastest DVR, more, more tuners than anything out there, and have access to all your content anywhere. Also, with the Amazon Fire Stick, with your mobile devices, it only gets as good as it gets right now with Dish. And this promotion is phenomenal. Listen, games are coming. You're going to have a ton of sports now. You want to get dialed up. This is your opportunity. Cost. This is the best promotion I have ever seen in my 18 and a half years. We'll get you set up and installed, guarantee you the very best price, throw in a $230 Nest Hello Video doorbell. Remember, we always guarantee the very best offer and price. So if you get a flyer and a mailer with some kind of a deal and you want to get set up with that, please just call 801-424-DISH. Keep it local. Don't dial an 800 number. Call us. 
Tell us what you have. We'll dial you that same promotion, get you installed next day, and you kept everything local. And uh, we didn't throw in a little extra for you, but you got to call us now. 801-424-DISH. 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 More next, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to BT coming up here momentarily, Gordo. Stoked, we're talking about the U.S. Open. Kind of feels like it should be Father's Day this weekend. <laughs> yeah, that's this uh, seasonal stuff is all all jumbled up, isn't it? Yeah, it, uh, it's a little bit weird, but uh, hey, I'm going to watch some golf this weekend. I'm excited about it. Wingfoot is a... Is a great golf course. Got a bunch of history. I, I love that golf course, man. I, just from watching it on TV, I've never been there. All right. This uh, You went to Golf 2020 U.S. Open update from Wingfoot Golf Club, brought to you by Mountain Land Supply. Get some guns and ammo and Black Desert Resort in St. George. Let's uh, jump out to the T-Mobile special guest line. Of course, you hear him every Saturday morning on Real Golf Radio alongside Bob Casper. He is our good friend Brian Taylor. BT, what's cracking? What's up, boys? Good to be with you. Happy Father's Day week, huh? Yeah, right? <laughs> kind of feels weird. Let's it feels... Let... Hey, let's celebrate it again. <laughs> Why not? As, as should be, right? Let's, I mean, tradition's tradition after all. I'm, I'm fine with two Father's Days. That sounds good to me. <laughs> let's, let's do that. <laughs> We'd have to have four Mother's Days. That that would only be fair. <laughs> We'd so have to we make did. up for it. That's yeah. BT, a, yeah. BT, as I've always said, that uh, Mother's Day is the day that we honor mothers, and Father's Day is the day that we preach at dads how to be better fathers. <laughs> right. We probably need that all the time, actually. We, we need more reminding of that than, you know, than just once a year. So, yeah, I hear you. B- BT, when you said, when Jake said that uh, talked about Wingfoot, uh, it, it, it took me back. Isn't that that's the infamous track where uh, Fuzzy Zeller and Greg Norman were going at it way back in the day, right? It is, yeah. The, the flag was, uh, the white towel was waved, and uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, there, there's a lot of, some interesting history. I mean, Bobby Jones won the U.S. Open there in 1929 uh, by a mere, I think, 23 shots uh, over Al Espinosa, And then Billy Casper. You know, in 1959, it was, uh, you know, it's in its lore that uh, he laid up on a par three, the third hole, all four rounds and got up and down all four times for four pars and one by one shot over Bob Rosberg. And you hear Billy tell the story. We played, we played his, uh, his audio from, from years ago on the show last Saturday with Billy telling the story. And he says, you know, Rosberg was still mad at me for, because I laid up on a par three and beat him by a shot. But, you know, it's it's uh, there's some great stuff, and then you know Johnny Miller. You may you may have heard this. Stop me if you've heard this, but Johnny shot 63 in the final round to win the Open in 73. Right? I mean, you, you've heard that at Oakmont, and then yeah. 74 was at Wingfoot, and it was said that uh, you know that was the massacre, and it's said that the USGA was you know getting back at Johnny for shooting the record low final round in the U.S. Open to win, and and uh, of course uh, Hale Irwin won. At seven over par, uh, I mean, it was just a brutal test. And then 2006 is the classic Phil Mickelson 
you know, had a one-shot lead with one hole to play, and he couldn't even make a bogey to force a playoff. He made double bogey after the wild tee shot left off the tent and, and, uh, and then hit it in the trees and then into the bunker and then into the rough. And it was just and afterwards he said, I'm such an idiot. And uh, it was so this place, man, it, it is uh, it is special and it is hard. It's going to be it's going to be a real, real tough go for these players this week. So who um, what player out there is a good fit for this course? What type of game will will succeed at Wingfoot? You know, it's interesting. I've been watching a lot of the coverage. Um, I've been fortunate. I was fortunate to be out there in 06. And Bob and I have been out there on a, another occasion and had the chance to play the golf course which is always pretty much in, you know, it's almost always ready for a U.S. Open. The rough certainly thicker and deeper at this point in time. But, um, I, and I've been watching a lot of the analysis, and it's it often said that, you know, it's a second-shot golf course. It's a ball striker's golf course. The green complexes are so severe, uh, and they're big. They're large green complexes with a lot of mounds and humps, and they slope, you know, mostly from back to front. And, and, and you, you, you can't be – really hole high or above it to, to and, and have a chance. And so people talk about the ball striking. Well, you got to back it up a little further and say, well, if you're going to be able to place it in the appropriate part of the green, you better find the fairway because otherwise in many situations, you might just be pitching it out into the fairway with a wedge. Um, and so uh, I, I would, and then Brando Chambly made a great point. Sorry, Jake, to get to your answer, Brando Chambly on the golf channel. I thought he made a great point. You know, he talked about Bob Rosberg and Billy Casper in 1959 were two of the were number one and number two in scrambling that year on tour. They, you know, they were able to get it up and down out of the bunkers and around the greens. And and obviously Billy's such a great putter. Uh, Billy had 114 putts the year he won. So I, I guess the the long answer to your question is it kind of takes a complete game that week. I, I just don't think you can get away with being weak in one particular area at a golf course like Wingfoot. I mean, Phil Mickelson almost pulled it off. I think he hit one fairway in the final round and scrambled his way all the way to where he had a one-shot lead with one to play, and ultimately that last wayward tee shot ended up costing him the championship. And Jeff Ogilvie that year when he won, he was getting it up and down from everywhere, chipped in for par on 17, and that proved to be the difference. But, yeah, so I, I guess you look at a, at a player statistically who is kind of firing on all cylinders and – you know, Dustin Johnson's the first one that comes to mind, although he struggled off the tee at Eastlake. He can't do that here. Um, Justin Thomas, statistically speaking, is probably the best bet from, uh, from an experience standpoint and from a statistics standpoint. Justin Thomas has all the tools this week to win. So, BT, are, is what you're saying is because of the rough and just the nature of the golf course that if players don't keep it in the fairway, are they going to have to pull the wedge out? Yeah, I mean, you're going to see it. You'll see guys wedging out. Um, you know, it, it, the, the rough, they, I don't know if you've seen some of the pictures, but I actually saw a picture where an, Ar- an Arnold Palmer, um, you know, can, you know, the iced tea lemonade can that's a, that's tall and skinny, that thing was sitting down level with the length of the rough. I mean, oh, that's, wow. you know, I, I, in a lot of cases, you can't even see the ball in there. And so it's going to be one of those situations. And, and I guess what Tiger was saying is it goes all different directions. It's not necessarily just going in one direction. And a lot of times for these majors, the USGA will, will mow the rough from the green back towards the tee. So now when the players are hitting at the target, they're having to go against the grain in this deep rough. Well, in this, it seems like at Wingfoot right now, it just goes everywhere. Um, Tiger called it salad earlier this week. And so you just sort of don't know how it's, 
going to be able to come out. So I think you're going to see some pretty impressive stuff on display. Some of these, you know, golfers that have morphed into athletes, I, I think definitely much more of an athletic player today than it was even in 2006, certainly than it was in 59 when Billy played. And, and you'll see some of that strength on display this week, guys trying to muscle it out and, and pull off some shots. But even if they're able to extract it out of the rough, trying to hold these greens that are going to be firm and fast, are going to, it's, that's another story. So let me interrupt here, if just for Jake's sake, because, uh, BT, he needs your advice. When he hits into deep rough like that, how in the heck do you get it out of there? What, what's, what's the golf tip of the day? All right, so John, I'll never forget this. When I was young, Johnny Miller said, uh, the first rule when you're in trouble is to get out of trouble, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, in fact, uh, Arnold Palmer in 66, when uh, he was on the, the, the back nine on Sunday against Billy Casper at Olympic Club, he was trying to go for the scoring record, and he tried to hit a four iron out of the deep rough there at Olympic, and the ball only advanced about 10 yards. And uh, because he was trying to get home when he shouldn't have, and if he would have just taken his medicine, put it back in the fairway, and then hit his next shot on the green and make your par and move on, you know, perhaps he would have, uh, you know, been able to to outlast Billy. And 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 as it were, you know, he came back from nine shots back with seven to play to tie him, and then beat him in a playoff the next day. So again, that's an illustration. You know, uh, Jake, the, the best thing you can do if you're in deep rough, especially at, at at skill levels below those of the best in the world that are competing this week at Wingfoot is to take your most lofted club out, probably your lob wedge, and just swing as hard as you can at it and try to catch as much ball as possible and follow through and hit it back towards the fairway. So that's uh, that, that's the golf tip of the day. If you're in trouble, take your medicine and get out. I appreciate that, BT, because uh, playing with Gordon, his strategy usually is for the to wait till the other golfers turn the other direction and then use what's called a, a hand wedge, I believe, Gordon. A hand I have, wedge, yeah. Do I have that yeah. right? The, the hand wedge usually see, uh, takes care of it, no problem. See, BT, BT, this is, this is just a man who happened to shoot a 76 on Sunday, so now he's Ooh. all full of himself. Best know. round ever, hey. BT. My best round 76, ever, buddy. 76, Jake, that a boy, man. Man, yeah. way to go! That's awesome. Yeah, playing, that's awesome. Playing all right for once. Yeah, it was. It hey, was you good. know what? Honk that horn. Seventy-six is no joke, man. That's good stuff. A lot of people play their whole life and never shoot seventy-six. So, wow. nice job, man. I'm feeling good. So, you think it. a lot of the guys playing at the U.S. Open there at Wingfoot are going to be shooting seventy-six and maybe there's going to be some seventy-sixes. You bet your you bet yeah. your life there will be some seventy-six. The Tiger said way over par is going to win this week. Hmm. Uh, the last couple have been five and seven over. So. Yeah, I think you're going to see guys shooting over par. Um, by the way, was if if you invite, you know, Gordon's giving you a bad time, Jake. But the last time I played with Gordon, I think he showed up in a T-shirt at Willow Creek. So, um, <laughs> just to day. be fair, just to be fair. So, oh my gosh, that was a mistake, and I, I've been reminded of it day. many times. Eighty yeah. sixth. <laughs> From Willow Creek Country Club. Uh, BT, you, you're the best. Thanks for jumping on with us. You and Bob are going to be on with us throughout the week. And, of course, your uh, real golf radio really should never be missed, but especially on uh, on weeks of the majors. So I, I appreciate that. Let me add on to that compliment. It really is a good show, uh, BT. You guys, you and Bob have been doing that for so long. If you love golf, don't miss that show. Well, that's nice, you guys. I appreciate it. And, you know, I love this week. This is obviously special for Bob and his family with his dad being part of the great history there at Wingfoot. And, and I feel pretty fortunate the last 21 years to kind of ride along, get an inside view of what that's been all about and, and to have been to Wingfoot. It's a pretty special place. There was a 
Michael Bamberger article on golf.com about Wingfoot and the golf club. And, and I was really impressed. I would highly recommend it. It's a, kind of gives you a glimpse about what Wingfoot's all about. And it seems to me like a, you know, even though it's super high end, it, it's kind of like the cool sort of golf guys, golf club. And uh, it's worth the read to check it out. And maybe it'll help you appreciate this week a little bit more. It's going to be fun to watch. Thanks BT. You're the man. You got it. See you boys. It's our friend Brian Taylor from Real Golf Radio each and every Saturday morning. Uh, coming up, we've got the Not Sports Report right around the corner. David Lockett 5. Stay tuned. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Plastic bag drifting through the wind, wanting to start again. Do you ever feel this okay? Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 the zone. Time for the Not Sports Port brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, LHMUsedCars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? All right, I, I have a couple things uh, here that uh, aren't really. Ha ha! Funny in any way, but they're just they're just surprising and kind of strange to me. Uh, the first one is disturbing, actually, but uh, I think it's worth discussing because it should be discussed everywhere. And Austin and I were talking about this off the air, but I have a story here in front of me that says nearly two thirds of U.S. young adults are unaware that 6 million Jews were killed in the Holocaust. Mm, Two-thirds? Nearly two-thirds of U.S. young adults. That is, and and in this survey that was taken, uh, one out of every 10 young adults thought the Jews had caused the Holocaust. Mm. So this is something that needs to be a point of education. Austin, you said it well. What did, how did you uh, phrase it? Uh, well, I, I personally think that if you want to vote in this country, you should have to have been either to the Holocaust Museum or pass a test about the Holocaust. I, I've said this before on the air, and you guys kind of made fun of me when I chose a poor time to watch uh, Schindler's List with my family. It was around the holidays, but... Uh, because it's not exactly a, a cheery movie, but I think every, at least every high school senior, should uh, should uh, watch that film. What is uh, how are they defining young people? Oh, I don't know. I didn't. Uh, I because if a sure. third grader doesn't know about the Holocaust, I can't say I'm that bent out of shape. About no, it, no, that's not what it is. It's young young adults. Young adults. I, I think it, I think it was forty and forty and younger. It's like. Somewhere between twenty and forty. They they just skipping that chapter in world history nowadays. What's the? I, I don't know. I I don't. I just don't get it. I don't understand that at all. 
Uh, it's, it's such an important thing for people to keep in front of their minds and to just so it can it can never happen again. You know, and probably I, I'm not fully up to date with every uh, heinous thing that has happened in history, uh, even since that time. But, man, that that was such a pathetic um, act uh, or series of acts to be perpetrated upon a people. And, and I, I, I just just to keep it, it's depressing, but keep it in front of us so that we never, and by we, I mean the collective we, never allow that to happen again. Anything like that. Just people in America, young people in America should be aware of what took place and uh, and, and work to make sure it doesn't happen again. Uh, and then there's this story out of Arizona, and this is just, this is just a quick little thing I wanted to ask you about, Jake. Um, <laughs> a man. Wow, we lost Gordon. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, we'll get Gordon back coming up next. That's a good place to stop it anyway. Uh, David Locke will join us uh, coming up in the uh, top of the 5 o'clock hour. Let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now, Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. And, Andrew, let's help our listeners out there. Uh, a lot of guys walk around kind of struggling in silence these days. Yeah, that's that's a, that's very well put, Jake. Uh, so many guys struggle with erectile dysfunction in silence. They do nothing about it. I'll bet they've heard about us at this point and thought, I could really use that, but there is no way I'm going to the ED clinic. And I'll tell you, I can sympathize. Uh, this happens to so many guys. Think about this. Two to three weeks from now, you could be done with the pills when it comes to ED. Get the blood flow going where you want it, when you want it. Natural function. Our treatment is clinically shown. And when I say clinically shown, we don't mean that lightly. I'm talking came. The American Urological Association, so much science out there now that shows we can reverse the ED and restore spontaneity. Which has got to be the, the biggest deal, right? Spontaneity. And, and uh, like, who's a good candidate for this, Andrew? Does this affect a, a, a wide range of ages, for example? It does. Um, I would say anybody that's experiencing failures in the bedroom is a good candidate. But an excellent candidate, the best candidate is somebody that maybe isn't at zero. They've got some function left. They have the occasional failure. If that sounds like you, there's a very good chance we can get you back to 100%. 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Get on the schedule. Get in to see the doctor, and you get a lot of extra benefits as well. You get a lot of extra benefits. Call us now. We'll do the assessment for free, the exam for free. The doctor will spend some time with you answering all your questions, and he'll do a blood flow ultrasound, which is really interesting. You've probably never tested your blood flow, especially in this part of the body. We'll do it. We'll do it free. We'll include, just for making the trip, a little special gift that uh, guys love. It produces instant results in the bedroom. And call us now. New patients get free testosterone. There isn't much more we could include here to cover every angle of erectile dysfunction. 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Give them a call. It's Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thanks, Jake. Our friend Andrew Reinhardt, Wasatch Medical Clinic, 801-901-8000. David Locke joins us next, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone.